0: Ryan Grubb is coming back to the Pacific Northwest as Seattle's new offensive coordinator. What does that mean for the quarterback position, short term and long term, for the Seahawks? We're going to be diving in on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, the host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Both me and my co-host in Crime Robberang greatly appreciate your daily support here. Ryan Grubb. They haven't officially, officially announced him as the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, but Mike McDonald made it sound like it is a done deal. Speaking on Seattle Sports 710 today, what does Grubbs' arrival mean for the quarterback position both this year and beyond in Seattle? We'll be diving in, plus our Monday mailbag segment and the first mock draft Monday of draft season. We've got three mock drafts and we're going to be diving into first round picks. Some exciting players that are being mocked to the Seattle Seahawks at different positions. So we got a jam-packed episode coming your way. Let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our first post-Super Bowl Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Ryan Grubb is heading back to the Pacific Northwest, didn't actually coach any games in Tuscaloosa after being the offensive coordinator for Alabama for about 15 minutes. He is now coming back, joining the Seahawks, and There's a lot of excitement in the Pacific Northwest, Rob, about this hire, and it's understandable. Grubb was at the controls for one of the most explosive offenses in college football the last two years, helping Washington get to the playoffs and the national championship game this year. Now he gets to take his talents to the NFL, and with him being the new offensive coordinator, there's plenty of roster and personnel questions, but none bigger in terms of timeline than what's going to happen with Geno Smith in the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, that's obviously the the elephant in the room the the Seahawks have a decision to make here with with Geno Smith's uh, contract uh, up essentially in terms of the option. Um, Seattle could just decide to to move away from them. But as we talked about on our uh, extra show on Saturday, um, that when the news broke Friday, late Friday night, the Seahawks were going to be bringing Ryan Grubb in, and 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 I argued that I really think that this is a is a sign that the Seahawks are basically all in. With Geno Smith, because I think when you look at Geno Smith and his specific strengths and weaknesses of his game, I think that it compares very favorably to the quarterback that Ryan Grubb was working with at the University of Washington. That, of course, being the Heisman runner-up, Michael Penix Jr. Um, just in terms of the the processing, uh, the leadership ability, but most importantly, just the just the pure accuracy that both these quarterbacks show, especially on the more complicated intermediate and deep routes. I mean, just pinpoint accuracy when they feel protected in the pocket. And so to me, those are some of the reasons why I really think that uh, when you look at Ryan Grubb and what he should be able to provide the Seahawks as in terms of a play caller, I really think that it's kind of a hand in glove fit for for Geno Smith in this system. I really think that it makes an awful lot of sense when you look at the wide receiver talent, of course, Uh, another parallel between the Seahawks and the Huskies, of course, we're anticipating that all three Husky wide receivers, uh, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen the McDaniel are, are all likely to be drafted. And then an offensive line and running game that I think also um, compare in a lot of different ways between Hus- the Huskies and the Seahawks. But getting back to the quarterback situation, Corbin, and how I think that Ryan Grubb and Geno Smith really should be a nice mix here. To me, one of the things that I've been so impressed by, um, by Ryan Grubb, and it's not just his time at the University of Washington. Obviously, anybody who was a, a football fan the last couple of years um, out here in the Pacific Northwest, they know what Grubb has provided us. Go back to what he did at Fresno State. Um, no. go, go back to what he did at Eastern Michigan. I mean, he and Kalen DeBoer inherited a – not a very good football team and yet they were able to basically change how they would call plays the the style of offense in which they they cater to that's why i feel so confident this is going to be a really nice fit for the cx here i do believe that if the cx do decide for whatever reason to go in a different direction at quarterback then geno smith then I do believe that Ryan Grubb has shown the flexibility as a play designer and a play caller to be able to help the Seahawks hit the ground running in 2024.
0: You know that I'm not big on comparing players, but when you watch Michael Penix and what he did at Washington over the last two years, and it was coinciding with what Geno Smith was doing for the Seahawks, both guys starring in the Pacific Northwest in the Emerald City, you just can't help it, but when you watch Michael Penix think, that looks like if Geno Smith was left-handed. There's just it, it really is a glove fit in terms of the skill set. They're both not phenomenal athletes by any means. They're not Lamar Jackson type guys, but they are more than mobile enough to be able to run when they need to. They can extend plays, they can maneuver the pocket with light feet. They both have cannon arms. They rank in the top of their respective leagues in passing yards and long balls, big time throws by PFFs metrics. These two guys are very comparable and I think another area where these two guys were both lethal that really conjures up comparisons between the two. You look at the numbers, it's the play action game. Play action completion rate this past season, Geno Smith was third in the NFL, 73.9%. Michael Penix Jr. was ninth in the nation, 72.9%. And remember, we're talking about a much bigger pool when you're looking at college quarterbacks. So if you're in the top 10, you are an elite company. And then play-action quarterback rating. Geno Smith was eighth in the NFL. Michael Penix was third among college quarterbacks. And then you just look at the rest of these categories. Big-time throws. Geno Smith was seventh out of qualified quarterbacks. Michael Penix was second with 31 in the college ranks. Both these guys were ninth overall in yards per attempt, so they cut their teeth as downfield passers, and they both excel at deep post routes, corner routes, uh, your deep drag routes. Those are where these guys make their money. In the case of Michael Penix, where he's going to make his money at the next level, assuming he gets an opportunity to start. So... I think when you're looking at this, I've been saying this all along. I am not arguing the Seahawks should not draft a quarterback. If Michael Penix is there and the Seahawks have – somehow they get a pick in the second round or they have one of their picks in the third round he's still there, then I think you absolutely go for it. And you've got a guy that already has played for Ryan Grubb that can learn under Geno Smith, and maybe that's your quarterback of the future. But what my argument has been is you don't move on from Geno yet because I really – I. Of all these coaching hires, this might be the one thing that I am most intrigued by with any of those coaches, seeing what Ryan Grubb can do with Geno Smith, just because his skill sets, it caters so well to what Ryan Grubb wants to do offensively with his strengths, his mobility, the big arm, the anticipation skills, the accuracy. And so for that reason, I think it would be really exciting to see both those guys on the roster. But I do want to see Geno Smith running this offense.
1: No, I, I do as well. Um, Because, again, I I think that, uh, you know, me, I've used this expression so many times, the proof is in the pudding. And with with Ryan Grubb and the success that he's had, especially in the last two spots, Um, again, UW and then as well as at Fresno State in in that uh, just the explosive passing attack. I think that it is easy to imagine Geno Smith uh, you know, slinging those arrows, so to speak, except for the Seattle Seahawks rather than Michael Penix doing the exact same thing for UW. I would push back on one of the comparisons, however, though. Uh, when it comes to the, the play-action game, again, both very, very accurate, but most of the snaps that Penix took were out of shotgun. He very rarely had to turn his back to the defense yeah. the way that Geno Smith often had to do. I think that's a testament to Geno Smith and just how quick he is at recognizing. Pre- and post snap where the defense is um and, and so i think that geno smith should be able to again be very successful almost immediately in this system whereas i do think that michael panks is going to have a little bit of a transition in that regard that, that's one of the reasons why i thought it was critical that he go down to senior bowl and show that he could be more successful they could be successful in more of a, of a traditional um pro style offense one final point about these two quarterbacks, and I think it's a compare, it's a similarity about the two, but it's also something that's a little bit of a wart, frankly, for both of them. And that is when you start to hit these two quarterbacks, like a lot of quarterbacks, but with these two in particular, if you get in their face quickly, they do struggle a little bit. That's why I would again push back against the idea, of perhaps a, a Penix at number sixteen overall. I think it's critical that the Seahawks improve the blocking, especially in the interior. Otherwise, it doesn't matter, frankly, who the quarterback is. I do think the Seahawks are going to struggle to keep that quarterback upright if they try to throw the football as much as Ryan Grubb has done, again, at UW Fresno State before as well.
0: Geno Smith's got that $12.7 million base salary becoming guaranteed on Friday, so we will have some clarity on where his future stands As early as Thursday, seeing where things stand with him and the Seahawks. But based on what Mike McDonald has said, including this morning, he said that Drew Locke, interestingly, and Geno Smith are the two players that he has really had correspondence with so far. The things that McDonald said earlier than that, it really looks to me like they are prepared for him to be the guy this year. And Ryan Grubb, again, has an offense that I think really fits well with Geno Smith. We'll see what else they do at the quarterback position, assuming number seven is still on the roster. All this stuff is going to start coming to fruition here pretty soon with just a month until NFL free agency. Up next, we're going to answer your questions on our Monday mailbag segment. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, it's just you against the numbers. You don't have to battle thousands of other players, pros, sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is so simple to play, you can make a submission in less than 60 seconds. And now, that football season over, it's demon time on Prize Picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. And if you want to play alongside some of your favorite prize picks players like rapper Meek Mill, you can find those people in the community plays. Under the promos tab, of the app to view the entries. so the biggest names in the Price Picks community. Price Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL right now and use the code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. It's pricepicks.com slash NFL. and use the code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbett Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. As we do each and every Monday, we open up the mailbag, and we got some fun questions on X and Threads. Let's get to it. And our first one for you, Rob, and we're sticking with the coaching situation here. This was actually meant for me, but I'm going to have you answer this question. What do you think will be the biggest change that John Schneider and Mike McDonald will make regarding player personnel? This coming from Mark Grubb1 on X.
1: Well, I think this is such a wide open question, Corbin. But to me, I I think that based on what we have seen from Mike McDonald in Baltimore, based on where I think are the, the current, you know, Frankly, salary cap restrictions that the Seahawks have right now, I think that they have to do something at the safety position. And so, whether that means restructuring a, a veteran like a Quandre Diggs or perhaps a Julian Love, cutting loose a, uh, a Jamal Adams, but there's just no way the Seahawks can conceivably move forward with three safeties among their their top five players, basically top 10 players, certainly um, on their salary cap. I just don't see how you can possibly justify that. And there's been a lot of talk out there that maybe Jamal Adams in particular was one of Pete Carroll's guys. I think that Mike McDonald right now doesn't have any guys uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. I think he is going to basically come into this with a completely open slate. And the reality is, is that the money that these players are owed just is not translating into enough success. So I think that priority number one, besides the quarterback position, which we talked about that just a moment ago, I think has to basically be the deep quarterback on defense. That being a position that Mike McDonald, under Mike McDonald, the Baltimore Ravens absolutely excelled at. I think the Seahawks are going to try to excel, but also do it at a cheaper rate in 2024. Our next question coming
0: from R Waro on X. Is it a little bit of a surprise that Mike McDonald hasn't brought anyone from Baltimore to be on his staff so far? So I'm a little bit surprised, I will admit. I I thought that there was a really good chance that he was going to try to pluck a few of those other assistants that he worked with out of John Harbaugh's staff. But I think this is a testament to John Harbaugh that he quickly was able to move some of these coaches up the ladder Uh, For example, he he ended up replacing McDonald with Zach Orr, who was the linebacker coach the last couple of years in Baltimore. Somebody that was already on the staff quickly elevated him to defensive coordinator in Baltimore. So you didn't have to worry about him becoming the defensive coordinator in Seattle and having to replace two coaches. I thought T. Martin was going to be in the mix for the offensive coordinator spot, but it's clear at this point that Mike McDonald had his eyes, his radar on Ryan Grubb this entire time, even before he had a head coaching job. And so, you know, he's going outside the box a little bit. He isn't just relying on people that he worked with in Baltimore. And the other thing that I will say is there is somebody that was hired that he worked with in Baltimore. And That's Leslie Frazier. He has a mentorship role with him as well as the fact that they coached together for a season in Baltimore in 2016. So It isn't as if he doesn't have anybody on the staff that he had prior connections with. Their new linebacker coach as well, he coached with the Georgia. So there are guys he's coached with on the staff, just not those quick fits that are coming over from the current Baltimore Ravens coaching staff, as some expected, would be the case. Rob's going to love this next question from Box Seahawks. Who do you like more as a round one pick, JPJ or Fatanu from Washington?
1: You know, we're talking about two of the absolute best blockers in this year's draft class, Corbin. So, I, um, you know, that is a tough question. I personally think that center and guard are bigger areas of concern than tackle is. And Troy Fotano is anticipating playing at the left tackle position in the NFL. That's where he excelled for the Huskies. That said having stood right next to Footanu at the Morris Trophy Award and and really just kind of getting a feel for um, his frame, his physicality, his mentality. Um, look, I, I think that Jackson Power Johnson is going to be a terrific football player. Uh, and again, I do think that center and guard are more important positions. But I think that Footanu can play those positions as well as tackle. And so I'm going to kind of lean a little bit more Troy Footanu. Uh, again, I think that JPJ is going to be a really good football player, and, but I, I think that he is a player that's more likely come off the board somewhere between, say, 16. I think that's about his ceiling to perhaps a little bit later in the first round. Vo Otanu, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's long off the board at number 16 overall.
0: Yeah, two really exciting players from the now defunct Pac-12 Conference that have different skill sets, but they both offer a ton of versatility and likely will be gone in the first 20 or so selections. Continuing with draft talk, this next one from Leo dl 11 on X. If the Seahawks were to stay at 16, would you rather they go D-line or O-line? So normally, Rob, I would answer this question, well, who's available? And that's still going to be part of the equation. We don't know who's going to be on the board there, but... It's a little different circumstance right now. I look at Seattle's roster. I think there's now a fairly good chance that Leonard Williams is re-signed. And if you bring back Leonard Williams to go with Jaron Reed and some of the other players the Seahawks have in the front line, Mike Morris coming off injury playing for his former coach at Michigan, I expect is going to have a bigger role. I just look at that D-line, and I don't feel like it's as big of a need. And then the other side of the ball, offense, your three starters at guard, and center from last year are all going to be free agents and who knows if any of those guys are going to be back and as you and I have talked about this is a very good offensive line class so I would say right now that I'm keeping my fingers crossed that one of those top linemen maybe one of the two that you just broke down and that last question is going to be there at number 16 and if that's the case I'm swinging the fences for help on that offensive line every single time our next question here, Rob's going to like this one. Best Super Bowl commercial last night This from Francis D412 via X. And I, I will admit, Rob, I don't know how you feel about it, but I do feel like the commercials have not been as good the last five or six years overall. But there were a few good ones last night.
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, I thought that uh, it was actually a little bit like the Super Bowl game itself. I, I thought that they kind of started off slow. and I thought maybe they were a little bit more entertaining uh, after halftime, you know, to me, I, I'm kind of um, a sucker for celebs kind of laughing at themselves. So I, I believe it was a Dunkin' Donuts uh, one, but it, with uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Tom Brady and Jennifer Lopez and uh, Fat Joe. There's a hip hop reference for. It. I mean, I, I thought that one was uh, kind of comical. Um, that, that was the one that immediately jumped out in my mind.
0: Yeah, there were two that jumped out to me. I loved the Tyler Lockett commercial. I know a lot of Seahawks fans were like, what is this? But seeing him squawking and getting ready to fly in the air on that uh, YouTube TV Sunday ticket commercial was pretty funny. Personally, I don't know. Maybe this is just my sense of humor, but Michael Sarah doing the lotion commercial, I... I was in near tears because just the way that it was worded and you were talking about a commercial that really pushed boundaries with Double Entendre's. I just thought that one was really good. My wife thought it was funny too. Uh, that was the one that had me laughing the hardest last night. And let's get back to football real quick. One more football question here coming from Tony W145. Does last night's outcome make Seattle's decision to hire a defensive head coach better or worse in your opinion? Well, Look, if I have to pick one side of the sword, I'm going to say better. I mean, did you see what happened last night? I mean, I know there were a fair amount of points scored, but that was a game that was decided by defense, mainly Steve Spagnuolo's Kansas City Chiefs who were dominant in the second half and really in overtime holding the 49ers to just a field goal so that Patrick Mahomes could go work his magic. So I still think defensive coaching has a ton of value, especially some of these younger coaches that have really been able to find new ways to attack these high-powered offenses. And Mike McDonald is in that mold. Steve Spagnuolo has been around a long time, but he still has some new tricks seemingly every game. So I don't know where Rob stands on this, but I actually think it it made it look better the way that that game played out last night.
1: No, I 100% agree with you. And uh, the reason why I agree with you, actually, is because I, I look at the San Francisco 49ers, and to me, they were the more physically gifted team. I used to go, If you were to rank the players top to bottom, I think that they had the more talented roster uh, in Kansas City, proved that they were the better overall team. Obviously, they wound up winning this, the, the championship. But I love that you mentioned the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, there. There were moments where I thought the 49ers' pass rush just overwhelmed Kansas City's offensive line. When Kansas City's defensive line overwhelmed the 49ers, a lot of times it was exotic blitzes. We we saw Trent McDuffie, another former UW star, um, blitzing off at the nickel cornerback position in a critical play. That, to me, shows the courage and the composure, the the experience of a talented defensive mind. And I think that the Seahawks have that now, not only in Mike McDonald, but obviously um, as well as in Adam Durde brought in as defensive coordinator.
0: When we come back, we are going to shift into our first mock draft Monday of the offseason. I know it's a segment our listeners get really excited about. We've got three awesome prospects that we're going to be breaking down that were selected on various mock drafts today. We're going to get to those coming up next on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. What a football game that was. But as usual, the commercials stole the show in my book. DoorDash went all out for game day and DoorDash stuff from all the ads to one lucky winner, cars, snacks, even tax software. DoorDash is the all-in-one app for your everyday needs from restaurants and groceries to flowers and gifts. So next time you're running low on dinner ideas, pet supplies, or just time, you can get so much more than you realize delivered. Didn't have a chance to hit the grocery store last weekend after all the big game commotion, or maybe your car has been mysteriously cleared out. Stock back up for the week ahead with delivery from DoorDash. Football season may be over, but we're in the thick of basketball games, the school year, baseball is going to be here soon. I can think of a million reasons to get on DoorDash and make some orders. Hop on the app and make your day a little easier. Get dinner for tonight, groceries for the week, or a consolation prize for your sad friends in San Francisco. All on DoorDash. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by Coast and crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out Locked On's first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Rob, we are only a couple weeks away from the NFL Combine. So it is officially draft season. Now that the Super Bowl is in the books, we've already had the Senior Bowl. We're going to be having this the uh, Combine coming up. There's going to be pro days. And next thing you know, it is going to be the draft. So we are going to start diving into our Mock Draft Monday series. Every Monday, we look at various mock drafts from other experts out there or, as we do time to time, we mix in our own mock draft-related activities. We're going to look at three today that come from other outlets, and all of them are far different position groups. I think that makes this a really interesting exercise here on day one. And starting off our first Mock Draft Monday, coming from the Athletics Nick Baumgartner. This one might surprise some listeners because the Seahawks have Boe Mafe, Nuosu, but there still may be a need there at the edge position. So Nick Baumgartner has the Seahawks picking Jared Verse out of SFSU. who, to be honest with you, Rob, if he tests the way that I expect, I'd actually be surprised if he is there at number 16. I think he is probably going to go a little earlier than that because you are talking about a do-it-all defensive end. This guy is not just a pass rusher which a lot of the guys coming out there they can't defend the run this guy though is capable of doing both at a very high level
1: yeah he has uh and he's in the last couple of seasons at florida state originally uh was at maine i believe uh you know a smaller school had a great deal of success there transferred in as a, as a high profile uh you know transfer portal guy and just Hits the ground right. It was absolutely spectacular. Was actually, his statistics are more impressive uh, two seasons ago than they were this past year, Corbin. But, you know, Florida State finished um, as the ACC undefeated champions, of course, um, and it's not for an injury to their quarterback. then they likely would have made the playoffs. A lot of people believe that they should have made the playoffs. Well, on the defensive side of the ball. There was no question who the best player for that squad was. That was Jared Verse. And what I was so intrigued by is uh, you reference the fact that he is a, a do-it-all defensive end. You see the burst. You see the speed around the edge. You see the flexibility kind of dip and get around uh, the offensive tackle's reach what I was really impressed by is how much stronger, how much more committed he was to the run. And of course, that is one of the biggest areas of concern for the Seahawks. The reason why I'm going to push back against this selection by Nick, and Nick does great work. um, But I do think that the Seahawks getting back Uchena Nwosu, I think is significant. Obviously, you're expecting Boye Moffitt to continue to make strides. And then if that's the case, and Jared Verse, where is he going to play? You know, I think that Chennaults and Jared Verse are likely to play the same spot. Now, if if Seattle is going to suddenly use a more traditional four man front, and they're going to have Verse as a traditional defensive end and Boye Mafi as an outside linebacker, perhaps that's different. But. Uh, I just think that if they're going to go on a defensive line this year, I think they're going to have to go on the defensive tackle spot, more of a big body kind of a, of a lineman rather than another edge rusher. Again, because of the fact that I believe in the upside of Boye Mafe and the return to health of Echenny Yeah,
0: this would be a really rich pick on a player that might not have a starting spot that is there for him to be able to get because you have two really talented players there. At the same time, Dale Taylor has not been able to defend the run since he first got on campus at the VMAC, and Derek Hall, underwhelmed for most of his rookie season. So there are some depth questions. I just don't know that you try to address that at pick number 16. Our next one, this one coming from Trevor Sigma on PFF, and Rob, we already had a chance to talk about this particular player in the mailbag segment, Troy Fatanu from Washington, who played tackle for the Huskies, but... Maybe the thing that stands out the most here, Seattle, they're hoping Abe Lucas is healthy. They've got Charles Cross. This is a player, though, as you mentioned, could easily slide inside and play the guard position at a very high level. In fact, I think when you look at at the numbers, you look at the film, I actually am more intrigued by him playing in the NFL as a guard, especially being back in Ryan Grubb's offense.
1: Yeah, I absolutely believe that he could be very successful at uh, left tackle or at left guard. I think that he's smart enough to be able, and I know that he's athletic enough to be able to handle the center position even. So, again, I I believe that Fautano is one of the most diverse or, excuse me, versatile um, offensive lineman in this draft class Corbin and again this is a power-packed young man those of you are able to watch on YouTube you just saw a quick picture of them not a lot of flab across the middle and if you look at those legs those thighs I mean the man is just built like a brick house and so I think because of that fact I think mean, he has the, the power and he also has the speed he is terrific at getting to the second level adjusting in space and knocking down linebackers and safeties to really be a menace in the running game. Again, I think the Seattle it's critical that they improve their pass protection, especially up the middle. And they just get, frankly, get better at pushing people around in the running game. Bo Utenu absolutely could do that. I think this would be a home run selection. If the Seahawks are able to pull it off at number 16 overall. But again, one of the arguments against is because the depth is so darn good along the offensive line. Perhaps you could go in a different direction in the first round, come back either in a trade-down scenario or even the third round. There still should be some starting caliber offensive linemen available to you.
0: Yeah, you're making a good point there, but Fotanu, and this is just my personal opinion, I agree with you that I think it's more likely he's a top 10 pick than he falls to number 16. If a player like this falls into your lap at number 16 who already has played for Ryan Grubb, and we know how dang good that offensive line has been the last two years. They have been top five in the league for fewest sacks allowed per game. And a big part of that was this guy. If you can get him at number 16, reunite him with Ryan Grubb. I am not always a fan of the idea of college coaches coming up and getting their own guys. You want to get the best player. He would be the best player and the best fit for plugging a huge knee for the Seattle Seahawks. So if he's there. I love it. This next selection coming from a friend, Chad Ryder at NFL.com. This is probably my personal favorite, but just because I love the player. And that is Jerzon Newton from Illinois. And In this particular mock draft, Chad actually had the Seahawks trading down with the Eagles six spots, and they did another trade later. He did a three-round mock draft. They got Michael Penix at pick 50, and they were also able to add linebacker Junior Colson out of Michigan at pick number 81 in the third round. I'm not going to lie. I I would love that hall having Newton at number 22. I don't think he's there at number 22. In fact, I'd be stunned if he's there at number 16, because I think he is that disruptive of a player. You just don't see 280, 285 pound interior defensive linemen that have the power and the explosiveness that this guy brings to the equation. And the other thing I love about him, he's just tough. This guy is hard to move off the line of scrimmage. Not the biggest guy, but he plays like he's over 300 pounds, and he's got that really quick first step. He truly epitomizes the idea of being a rolling ball of steak knives. That's how this guy plays.
1: He really does. I mean, he's count quick. He chops his hands really well. Um, He is disruptive against the pass as well as the run. Obviously you'd be reuniting him with Devin Witherspoon, of course, his college teammate at Illinois. Uh, Chad Ryder is, is very good as a scout. And he's also very well connected. He's a former green, green Bay guy. I know for a fact that he and John Schneider go a long ways back. And so, um, Chad is one of the best at, at, at reading the tea leaves when it comes to Schneider. So th- there's all kinds of different things at play here. And as you said, if they're in that trade down scenario, get the Michigan linebacker, Junior Colson, one of my favorite linebackers in this class, as well as the quarterback, Michael Penix, then yeah, that would be pretty exciting stuff here. You mentioned something a little bit earlier, though, that I think would be the, the reason why I would push back against this possible idea, and that is just the future of Leonard Williams. If Seattle does bring Leonard Williams back, knowing that they have Mike Morris returning, knowing how well that Jaron Reed played, knowing the upside that is Cameron Young, another rookie who played last year for the Seahawks, I really think that they, that the Seahawks have bigger areas of concern um, then shoring up a defensive line that frankly has enough talent that now that you're bringing in a defensive mind, uh, head coach um, and a defensive coordinator in Durday, who has a track record of developing these types of players, then I really do think that the Seahawks would have to try to allocate some of these premium resources in a different position.
0: I'm going to push back against your pushback. Jaron Reed is now well into his 30s. He's going to be a free agent after this upcoming season. Cameron Young is probably just a nose tackle. We saw what Mike McDonald and his staff were able to do with Justin Matabuke. Jerzon Newton, quite frankly, is a better prospect, a much better prospect than Matabuke was coming out of Texas A&M. And I think he's a much better run defender coming into the league. So if he's there at 22, that becomes a he's the best player available. We're taking him type ordeal. So I get your rationale. I just, from my viewpoint, Mike McDonald's probably going to be pounding the table like, I want that guy to be my next Justin Matabuke on this defensive line. Jared Reed is not going to be your long-term answer up front. Even if Leonard Williams is re-signed, Williams and Newton could be your starters for the next several years. So that would be my rationale. Either way, I liked all three of these picks for different reasons, a different rationale, obviously – Jared Verse wouldn't be filling as big of a void on Seattle's roster, but you can never have too many really good edge rushers in today's NFL either. As always, you can follow me on X and Threads at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rand. Subscribe and follow Locked On Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, we've had a long break here, but we're going to get back to our end-of-season report cards We're going to be flipping the script over to the quarterback position, and we're going to start our free agency countdown looking at the aforementioned Leonard Williams. Will he be back in Seattle? Jam-packed episode coming your way. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.